I really, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, hope that you have the type of audience that gets that joke. I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I edit. This is episode number 33 of the Let's Talk Retouching podcast. The show in which we talk all about retouching and post-production. This is the podcast in which we take a deep dive into common retouching techniques, best practices, and have you peek behind the scenes of the image-making process. The show is brought to you by our high-end retouching studio, BoutiqueRetouching.com, and the online educational platform, LearnPostProduction.com. My name is Daniel, I am your host and the founder and CEO of Boutique Retouching, so I welcome you on the show. But before we get started with today's episode, though, producing such a podcast takes quite some time and dedication. If you appreciate what we are doing here, if you enjoy listening to the show, and if you get some value out of it, I'd be happy to know you hit that subscribe button in whichever podcasting app you are using. And maybe for you to become a long-term listener of the show. So let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in into today's episode. Um, we will be continuing our conversation with Joseph Perry today that we started. He's a retoucher from the UK. And yeah, at times it was kind of hilarious in the last episode, which we will be continuing today. So yeah, let's get right back into the episode and continue the conversation with Joseph Perry. Let's get back to the real stuff. Let's switch from the like philosophical topics to more hands-on. Mm. Yeah, 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 sure. Okay, so what is on Joseph Perry's workstation? I have the largest mouse mat known to man because I love gaming. So, and you are retouching just... with a mouse, I guess. Um, no, use a Wacom, but well, I use, I interchange between both. I mean, if it's something like a pen tool, then I usually use the mouse because I just find it's a bit quicker and more stable um, than using my wrist for it. But if it's, you know, healing, dodge and burn, things like that. But, um, yeah, so I've got like a massive ass kind of mouse pad and then I've got like a final mouse. At the moment, I've got a couple of final mouse, but the one I'm using is uh, Ninja's one, not because it was Ninja and he was into Fortnite and all that shit, but just because it was simply the lightest mouse going and I'm massively into uh, accuracy with uh, first-person shooters like Overwatch and stuff. So obviously then directly in front of me, I've got my, my Wacom, which is, uh, what, 2017 or something in medium size. Uh, then I've got a Quickfire TK mechanical keyboard. I think it's uh, cherry red switches, maybe. And after that, I have possibly the best um, thing on my desk. is called a shit stack. Yeah, it's a company called Shit, as in S C H I I T, and they make some really tasty audio hardware. And I've got a a DAC. To those who uh, are not familiar with audio, that is digital to audio, uh, digital to analog converter. Yes. And the reason I didn't say that is because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so you picked up the slack for me there. Thank you. <laughs> so I basically got a digital to analog converter into an amp and it's a tube amp and they stack on top of each other. And because the company is called shit, 
a lot of the customers uh, hilariously decided to nickname it shit stack yeah and, uh, it's it's awesome it's it, the sound quality is so awesome yeah anyways um let's get back to your um <laughs> to your to your hardware wow that was a good one just, right uh, yeah it was yeah but i couldn't figure out another way to say it yeah anyways are you mac guy computer uh, like pc guy um i use both man i'm i'm not precious about it i i see uh wonderful things on both systems and atrocious things on both systems so i mean yeah i'm really not precious i've always found it a bit weird to be honest having the whole mac is better or windows is better i'm like yeah but for what they're like no it's just better and i'm like okay for what everything i'm like okay <laughs> I just, I'm, not, i'm not really into absolutes man like yeah i'm into more i mean there's a reason is... why windows is going to put in a linux kernel just in a few months oh that's cool yeah because like for developers that's important but for the general user yeah well it's like i mean you only got to look as as far as something absolutely basic like say gaming yeah there's no comparison with mac to windows for gaming but let's say if you're going to do color critical work and you want you, know, you have to say mac os not mac because there are people using a mac and they're installing windows just to game um that's true i actually did that i accept i did it the other way around i had a hackintosh system and Fancy. i just i just ended up using windows all the time just because it loaded first <laughs> um, yeah because you don't want to reboot right yeah but i think that, that kind of proves the point that there isn't really one operating system which is better in every way because ultimately if it was much like for example you would never go oh i need to travel a distance of 100 miles shall i walk or take the car the choice would always be i'll take the car unless you're a maniac or got too much free time on your hands <laughs> yeah. like you're always going to pick it so my point is if you can kind of have the luxury of sitting down with three operating systems or whatever and, and you go oh i should be the other one but screw it i'll do it in this one it kind of proves the point that you know there isn't one which is always 100 better choice for everything because you can pretty much do everything you can do in all of them across all of them they just have a slightly different way of presenting it or showing it and you know it's more i think niche particular things that you would probably pick an operating system for and a lot of it i think comes down to just where you work and how you work for example if you work somewhere that uses mac operating systems you're probably going to be more inclined to buy a Mac computer for your personal stuff if yeah. that was your first exposure to it. And if you are going to have an IT stuff, you're not going to get a Macintosh. So that's just life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just how it is. <laughs> Back to retouching tools. So you have um, a mechanical keyboard, you have your medium-sized Wacom tablet um, mm -hmm. in terms of screen, because screens are our entrance of the world of color and pixels so what are yeah, you so I'm, I'm saving for an iso but until i can get one i'm uh i'm actually using a dell i think it's a u27 13h I yeah think it is. they're like 
I'd say once calibrated, they're not too shabby. They're certainly not. They don't have so the, you know, one of the wide gamut displays. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, um, I still have one, even even from before LED backlight. Yeah. You know, I, they're not the uniformity on them isn't as uh, as nice as you'd like, but I mean. Yeah, but, for, but I think then, I got it secondhand for like. But less then than on the sides of the display, I usually have the Photoshop panel, so no. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But I'm using it as long as it as it's working, and then I'm going to put it in the trash in the bin. So, <laughs> I think I'd probably just keep it as a backup in case anything ever happens. Yeah, I mean, you, if you never are doing know. a job, right? And it goes down. At least it's good enough to do it. Just don't try to match the two displays. And using my yeah. at the same time, yeah. Then good luck. I've been asking Eliza at some point there, but it's like, yeah. But the thing seven, is, like, uh, bucks if is you're not money. using the same model, then oftentimes it's not worth uh, trying to match two displays. Yeah, I just try to match them closer because it annoys me. No, I would, I would just use the same monitor every time, and then I guess the calibration thing for both of them is. I think it's a bonus if you can get both of them to look completely yeah. the same. But the thing but is, yeah, you always get, get giving up something. So if you, if you were to to uh, do it correctly, you would first measure the uh, maximum black point of both displays and then use the brighter black point as the baseline for the calibration. Yeah, the weakest link, right? Yeah. And that's like you're buying this new display, which is more uniform and maybe can be a little bit more black in the blacks and stuff like this. So, yeah, and then you're matching it to a, a display that is a little bit lower in capabilities and you will result in a calibrated display that looks the same, but you're not using the full capabilities of the display you spent a thousand dollars on. I guess I kind of do it the the other way around to that, as in I calibrate it to the maximum capability and then just deal with the other monitor not being able to keep up, but yeah. at least it's not purple. <laughs> you See, know, like yeah. I mean, as long as the, the to... base white point or white gamut or gray level matching uh, is the same, um, then you're usually good to go. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else you're using? Any special pens for the Wacom or any other gadgets? No, I mean, I mean, I think I'm a basic bitch when it comes to Photoshop. I, uh, I only really need the the basic tools, and not in like a I'm better than you because I only use the basic tools. Not like that way. Just genuinely, I literally am. I only use a couple of things in Photoshop to to get done what I need done. So a lot of the stuff that you can do in there, while it's cool and fancy as fuck it's like it's, I, don't, I don't need it or use it you know i mean you can use um fancy filter frequency separation <laughs> no that's that's actually too fancy filter. <laughs> i mean you can use a mosaic filter on everything but i'm not sure if that's useful in any way so Well, it depends if you just want that little bit extra of a Roman touch. I want this image to look more Roman. I mean, if imagine if a client said that to you. We've talked about being on the forefront of the industry and it could lead to a new niche. What was that thing that exploded on phone apps like a year ago? And it was like, made everything look 
Painterly or whatever. I can't remember. But it went crazy for about a week and then know. disappeared off the now face I mean, of the earth. Everyone is posting images of themselves being a different gender. Oh, I noticed that today, actually. Yeah. I have no idea what it's about because I genuinely I, don't follow Neither do really. I because I'm not using Snapchat and I don't have a current version of Instagram as well. So I uh, have no idea. Keep it up. Yeah. I mean, I still yeah. have a Windows phone, so I can't get any updates. And I can't I once use had all a these features. Nokia Lumia 980, I think it was, or whatever they're called. Uh, 910, 810, I can't remember what it was. 950. I think it was a 950. Yeah, I have a 950. Yeah, um, I like that phone. It's just when I got it, there was just no apps at the time. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I, I got mean, it so early. I would, I would probably go back to a Windows phone if the app support was well. I, as good I as think like they're now so they're not really developing it. So they're waiting for um, making the full operating system ARM base, and then it's pretty much as long as it's going to be any ARM device, you can run it on it, and then probably the app support is going to be better. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. That's what they're working on for the past few years. And seeing like Adobe going to support Photoshop on an Apple iPad Pro, that just proves because like Apple is not so much pushing for it, but Microsoft and companies like Qualcomm and, and some others, they are pushing hard to get uh, ARM-based apps basically. And yeah, Adobe, when that is running ARM-based, you can run it on yeah, Windows ARM based phone, basically the same thing on or a tablet or whatever it is. I think it's not so much that they're always pushing for Apple and stuff like this, but Apple doesn't really care that much. So if the code is there to run on an ARM based system, then probably others will take advantage of this much more than than Apple. Yeah, supply and demand, basically. Yeah. Anyways, now let's touch just quickly on the software side. Yeah. So I assume you are using software like Photoshop. Uh, how mm -hmm. does your, or let's let's say, how does your workflow look like in terms of you're getting images to retouch? How, how does that process look and to through which software are you going to put? Uh, so I chuck it into Lightroom. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I would check it into uh, Capture One and use that for the raw conversion. Um, reason being for that over Lightroom is I just, just the, the calculations that go on behind the scenes, it feels like I, I usually get a, a better result. Um, whether that's false or not, I couldn't really say. I'm not a, a software developer. I don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. I can only just kind of look at it, compare the two side by side and try and get the most out of them. And I just find it, you know, consistently every time. I, I just prefer using Capture One for a, for raw conversion stuff. And then into Photoshop, and then your box standard kind of work on your uh, your textures and healing stuff first. And then if you want to do shaping, sometimes do shaping first, but I usually do it last. Then you go into your kind of luminosity-based changes, your dodge and burn, that stuff, and then color correction at the end of that, and then finish out with color toning or color grading, whatever you want to call it. The reason being for that workflow is working with Texture stuff first, healing brush is usually going to cause a lot of luminosity shifts, which you're going to have to fix afterwards. So then you, you know, dodge and burn it. And then dodging and burning is going to cause color shifts and stuff as well. And it just is a convenient place to therefore then fix that. And once you've kind of fixed that, there isn't, that doesn't create any more issues after the kind of chain. So it just seems a very logical way to work on things so that everything that creates a problem 
you can fix it in the next step until eventually the last thing that you're fixing doesn't create another problem. And obviously it's non-destructive, keeps everything in a, in a way of working that allows you to be able to change anything at any point without it kind of affecting everything. I think we've touched already how important that is as a professional. Yeah, definitely. Non-destructive workflows are, uh, dare I say, a kind of non-negotiable, really, I think. There's always going to be exceptions where something happens and you just have to to roll with the punches and, and get it done. But, you know, 99% of the time, I, I don't see any reason to not be pushing for a non-destructive workflow. I think that it, the benefits far outweigh the uh, yeah. cost of disk space. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, there are always people saying, like, hey, I've just reduced down my layers all the time. And I'm like, what? Yeah, it's a weird one, man, because I, I think if you're never going to go back to that image or you have no intention of going back to that image and whatever, for some people and what they do, does it hurt me to hear they do it? Yes. But I mean, does it actually really make a difference if they're never going to go back to it again? Not really. So it's kind of one of those weird ones where it's it's more, I just don't like flattening things because I just, I like to have the sense of security that if I ever have to go back to something, I can, even though I have noticed over the last four years of retouching, I don't think I've had to go back to a single file after it's been signed off. So, I mean, I know theoretically it does seem to be kind of yeah. pointless to keep them layered, but who knows? Maybe one day. Exactly. I see the exactly. same as having a backup. You don't need one until you need one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. Well, for example, um, super dry, they're kind of... Um, flatten a lot of things um, by a lot of things I mean everything except um, campaign stuff so all the e-com stuff is is flattened and I remember there was this one situation where we were cutting out um, like bags and sunglasses and everyone was kind of flattening stuff and I ended up just cutting out the bag and the kind of shadow for it in two layers and just saving that as a separate file and then every time we had to do those because they were all shot exactly the same way you could literally just cut out the sunglasses and just drop the bag that you've pre-cut out in and that was kind of a prime example of having layered files is something that can save you a lot of time and be you know really beneficial yeah you have to be clever in terms of how you set up your workflow and not just go by a recipe and yeah really think about like what is helpful to save time and to make your work more efficient. Yeah, well, I mean, every every industry in the world is all about efficiency, isn't it? Because the more efficient you are, the less effort it is, and the less effort it is, the more fun and enjoyable it is, but usually the quicker it gets done, and the quicker you get something done, the more money you're making. Well, so, I can tell you what is not efficient is like all the emails I get of- uh, Complaining about Joseph Perry. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Just wait, when this goes live, that's it. That's gonna be a month of your life. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah retouching workflow i think we discussed in detail how important it can be for any retoucher to set up a proper workflow that is flexible yeah <laughs> right dude any more questions anything else you want to run through uh yeah um i like to talk with people about uh, how they manage to find a balance between working long hours in front of the computer and their health and um the rest of like having an actual life aside from retouching let me know when you find someone that uh <laughs> that's, 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 that's a good one that. 
Uh, yeah, but we all <laughs> aspire to make it right for ourselves, right? No, I just want I just want dollar, and you don't get dollar without putting in the hours. Does that what I mean that's true? You've you've basically got to be prepared to work like eight to sixteen hours a day, and not have a life. Basically, <laughs> that's that's been my experience that, over the last that's, four years. But that's the most uninspirational answer I've ever gotten on the podcast. Well, well, you know the the plus side to it is you have money and no time to spend it so you get more money <laughs> but no it's just it's great to be able to wake up in the morning and go get coffee go out to a, a pub or a cafe yeah. and get a morning coffee and experience life in, in a very different way when you're freelance and i think that it's the literally the best thing in the world it's just so it's not i don't know do you have a certain flexibility even though you are working constantly so yeah of course You have endless flexibility. The only the only thing that matters is when's the deadline. That's yeah. it. It's like when's the deadline, and you get it done a day before the deadline. You send it back. Yeah. Why? Well, for revisions. Just in and out, and you're done. Yeah, you don't even know I was there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So okay, work life balance not so good. But there is this aspect of physical health, and sitting in front of the computer is not healthy uh, when you cannot balance it with something else. So how do you achieve this? Um, I get up at 5.45 every morning and I go smash weights in a gym for an hour and then do cycling for a couple of miles and then come home. I mean, I make an active decision to be healthy, but if you don't, you kind of got to or you're going to pay the consequences like later down the line, like 10 years down the line of just sitting in a chair doing nothing. Well, it doesn't take 10 years, believe me. No, but I'm saying if you if you wait 10 years, like <laughs> it's probably going to be too late. <laughs> yep. So do something about it. That's Just do true. it. My recommendation as well, I can talk from experience, do something for your back. With getting up in the morning is a good thing. I, When we talked earlier before re hitting the record button, I was saying like, I, I just cannot, it's not a motivational thing, I, but I cannot do anything in the morning. But you should find a suitable time throughout the day when you can do anything except yeah, sitting man, in front of Yeah, just go for a walk for 15, 20 minutes, you know, just... Just do something that isn't just sat down. Um, but speaking about getting this freelance vibe, and that, that's something everyone who is getting into this industry is most likely trying to become a retoucher for the sake of running their own business and having the flexibility maybe to work from different places and stuff. So uh, mm -hmm. if you were to give advice to a newbie retoucher, what would be your best advice you can give someone to who's eager to get into this industry? I would say find people like you and Natalia Tafarel and Stefan Koller and Connie Wallstrom and Pratik Naik and people like this to give yourself a solid base of understanding the, the basics of retouching and arming yourself with knowledge of knowing what good information is and what good information is not. Because if you don't know why you're making a decision or you don't know why something is a problem, you're never going to be able to actually proceed. And instead of taking years to get good at retouching from an understanding perspective, I would say make it a focus to seek out high quality information, especially information that's probably paid for, because you will end up cutting off so much wasted time and effort. And then you can put your time and effort into practicing the execution of retouching.
and the execution of techniques and knowing when it's too much and when it's not enough and things like that, rather than sitting around not knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it, because that just wastes so much time. That was a nice one in terms of inspiration. I have my, I have my moments. <laughs> I'd also say join critiquing groups. I mean, people like Natalia and Carrie Bean and stuff like that. These guys have all got retouching groups yep. that people are more than willing <laughs> to, to tear you a new asshole in there. And honestly, I think that not being a delicate snowflower about retouching is, is the quickest way to proceed. Literally yeah, just go, I'm expecting there to be a lot of issues with this image, but here's my first attempt. Post it in those groups and be like, what do you see that's wrong with this image? Yeah. You may not agree with everything. You may agree with everything. It doesn't matter. The fact is other people are getting eyes on it who usually look at higher quality imagery than maybe if you're new to getting into retouching, yeah. you know, would have exposure to yourself. And I think that it will just, it will rocket you forwards in the types of things that you'll miss and the type of things get picked up. It definitely can be that way. You just have to accept the fact that if you are posting images in such groups to have your ego pleased, uh, not getting that, um, don't be frustrated. Or if you are that kind of person that needs that, then these are the wrong places to go. I would say don't get into retouching to be self-pleasured, you know, like yeah, there are other ways to self it, People go, wow, that's great. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. And stick to the ways that work because if you're getting into to retouching to have people like cream over your work, it's going to be many years before that happens. Many years. You need to basically get in there and tell yourself, I'm going to be shit, but I've got a passion to be great. So rip me a new asshole and let me learn as quickly as possible. And it's like, if you don't approach it from that way, it will take you years, like way too long. It takes, it's taken me about four or five years, I think about four, to get to a pretty decent standard now. And it's like, yeah, that's a long time. But it's like, it's cut down dramatically by the people I've had around me to help me and just exposure to just doing loads of images. And it's like, if you imagine that some people learn faster, some people don't. But let's say you learn on a similar trajectory to what I have, it might be eight, nine years before you get to where I am now, if you don't approach it the same way, which is just be brutal, be absolutely savage and drop the ego. Just learn what you're doing wrong based on the industry standards and learn to do it right. There isn't a shortcut, it's just do it. And it's that simple yeah. from my perspective. It just takes like eight hours for you to become a retoucher. So don't worry, put in the work. No, just kidding. Just buy my, <laughs> just buy my, uh, my panel. It's called, uh, what happens is you click a button and it sends the, uh, the file out to a team in India and uh, it comes back retouched um, within half a second. And, and that's it. It's called auto retouch. I, I always say I want to invent the magic button. So you just get this one button and you click it and you just envision how you want the image to look like, right? You just envision how you want it to look like and you <laughs> click the magic button and it reads your mind, puts it all into the digital stuff that's going on behind the Photoshop curtains. And then you will see like this spinning wheel or whatever for like two turns, not more. It's going to be only two turns. And then you will be presented with your finished image. I mean, it could do it faster, but there would be no fun as like, if you, if you don't have this waiting for like two circles or something, there is this expectation of the system not working on doing anything spectacular, which it does. And yeah, so 
there has to be that. And yeah, that's the magic button I want to invent at some point. Do it. Do it. So <laughs> enough talk about magic buttons. Um, even though we ended with saying people have to really invest time, and I agree there are no shortcuts, retouching is fun, and that's why we are in it. Otherwise, we have would have chosen to do something else. It gets even more fun. The more you know what's going on in Photoshop, the the higher skill level is, but also getting a better understanding of not only what your capabilities are, but where your limits are. I don't agree. <laughs> well, I was I was just figuring out a way to wrap things up anyway. So um, no, I mean I do agree with that it's it's like anything though. You know, um, I think there's always this weird curve of everything's exciting. You realize how it's done, you get less excited, and then you start learning so much about it that it yeah. becomes fun to be able to manipulate the rules and twist things again. And it's kind of like that yeah. with magic. When That's you true. don't know how magic's done, it's incredible. Then when you learn how it's done, you're like, oh, I know how it's done, the magic's gone. But then once you know how to do it so well that you can actually start doing it yourself and doing it to other people that don't know how it's yeah. done, then it starts becoming funny. Yeah, that's a nice it's, comparison. It's kind of like that, retouching. a weird cycle. So if you if you are into magic mm. uh, and have not found the magic button yet in Photoshop, then learn about retouching. And thank you for spending the time here. And thank you for shedding some light upon how retouching works and how the retouching industry works. And thanks for being on the show. Just before you go, I have your website and social media. I mentioned already the website is Joseph Perry. It's spelled P A R R y dot co dot uk and you also have facebook and instagram which is jp retoucher on both of them as a handle and his behind the scenes blog is jpblog.co.uk yeah that's where people can find you anything else you have on your plate anything interesting to share that is going to be public i know We retouchers always struggle with putting things out publicly because we are uh, limited by what we are allowed to do. But anything else that is going to come up, anything else where you are going to be, maybe a convention or something that you are going to visit? I don't have any plans for public appearances or anything moving forwards because I've got a really, really big plan of things moving forwards um i can't say anything about it yet because if it doesn't happen okay feel like an so idiot. there is some something <laughs> interesting in the world that might be great. become reality it should become reality yes if that is going to happen before this blog uh this podcast is going to come out we will put it in the show notes as well i can promise that oh cool um it won't because this is just a slightly long-term thing but within well the, the thing is like i am so far behind <laughs> podcast editing that <laughs> so it may come out in two years it'll be great <laughs> no that's fine i mean we'll see but three months I, i don't know if i can pull it off in three months but yeah maybe in about a year should be okay should anyways be pretty um, so yeah if that thing is going to happen i will include it if not <laughs> you will have to wait a little longer and follow joseph perry on his social media Again, it was super nice to have a talk, a conversation with uh, like-minded people on retouching. And yeah, I enjoyed these talks and I hope you did too. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> um, no, just, just this, you know, the same kind of reciprocate, the same thing. Just um, 
just thanks uh, thanks for the opportunity to have a chat and again you know talk to like-minded people about retouching is something we're both passionate about so yeah thanks for the opportunity yeah, thank and, uh, you my pleasure So this has been it. Episode number 33 of the Let's Talk Retouching Podcast is a wrap. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Also, if you have not subscribed uh, to the podcast, whichever podcasting app you are using, uh, hit that subscribe button so you can follow up with upcoming episodes. We uh, publishing on a more or less regular basis. So another update for you, um, we are accepting submissions on your retouching. So if you head over to our website, boutiqueretouching.com, you can submit some images that we provide or if you have the rights, the copyrights on images uh, yourself, you can submit images and we will be doing a few critique round. So I am contemplating if I do these myself uh, or if I can get other people to jump in and also help with the critique. Uh, don't expect too much for it because it's going to be free and we are offering our time in return. So, but nevertheless, it's going to be valuable for everyone who is eager to learn retouching. And this has been it for today. I really hope you enjoyed it and I talk to you in the next episode. Literally everything is to do with sex. It's insane. What's the deal with racing steering wheels? Why thrust master? <laughs> Seriously, who sat down and just went, yes, thrust master? It's just like any possible attempts to make things about sex, people will do it. <laughs> they just will. It's yeah. like, let's make steering wheels, man. Let's do cars. Yeah. What do you want to call it? Steering wheel 9000? No, no, no. Um, Master wheel, master wheel, wheel master, thrust, thrust, thrust master. I like it. We'll go with that. Useful is overrated. Yeah. Nobody cares no. about useful or not. That's why no. frequency separation 2.0 exists. You can also give like two pieces of advice. Is the question what advice would they give to someone who's new to getting to the retouching industry? Yeah, I just wanted to fill more minutes. Every little, speaking of little and your hardware, um, no, just kidding. <laughs> I was like, is this the type of joke I think it is? I'm going to wait and see. And then I, I was waiting for a response. Just and kidding. And I was like, yeah. It was the type of joke I was thinking. <laughs> the, the most important question I have right now is I have a booking for some sunday roast oh. and i i need to know whether it's acceptable to wear slippers 